Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Happy S.H.I.E.L.D. 100, Pete. It's time I told you what's really going on here. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 512, the 100th all-time in the series, Matt. The Real Deal is sponsored by Orange Scented Fresh Spray. Anything smells better than fear. <laughs> Although not everything should go in your mouth. Pete, here we are, 100 episodes in. It seems like just yesterday that we were, we were hearing about this show being put together, that we were wondering what it could possibly be, that we were seeing the first episode, etc., etc. And uh, here we are, have to mention... Amidst all of this stuff, of course, we have the Jessica Jones podcast going on. We have other geeky goodness to look forward to in the future. But I don't know about you, Pete. For right now, my focus is all S.H.I.E.L.D. all the time. When we catch you up on what went down. And Matt, if I can just push aside my bow tie here for our Gala 100th S.H.I.E.L.D. episode episode here. <laughs> to begin with the teaser, uh, we have one of the dwarf drones scanning some kind of wreckage, sees quickly a figure behind it. Uh, there are bloody prints, um, and there is a blue tear from which emerges Lash to take us into the most unusual title card we've ever seen. Yes, flickers of previous title cards, and, and at first I wasn't sure what I was seeing, uh, but when there was the Telltale Agents of Hydra glimmer of green there, I said, oh, I see what they're doing. They're taking a look back, looking back at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you might say, uh, and after that title card, we are fast into the action. Fitz, who you may recall was a little unwell, well, he's now been medically cleared. He sent that drone down those many, many floors to an outdoor forest with Sky. Uh, that's really weird. Is this what happens when three monoliths are blown up together? Uh, Fitz says yes. It's produced a rip in space-time. That other dimension is bleeding back into our world. Good news. Daisy didn't do this. Bad news. The end of the world may be started. Yeah, their trip to Tomorrowland may have hastened the end of the world. It might have already begun. Um, Simmons, meanwhile, is tending to Yo-Yo, who, despite her lack of arms, she has phantom pain in her fingers. Uh, Daisy is getting supplies with Deke, uh, and Mac comes in to check in on her. Uh, the woman he loves nearly died in front of him. He's very angry. Um... She notes that things that she has seen before are coming true and uh, really concerned for what might happen next. Yes, this idea that the future may be happening faster than they think and the idea that everybody has to stay and fight. With that, we cut to the supply room. Uh, Daisy and Deke looking specifically for painkillers. Deke finds orange, I'm going to assume was orange cleaning spray. Uh, so when he shoots it in his mouth, uh, that's not good. Deke, by the way, loves oranges. Love, after all, is orange. Oh, wait, Pete, that's another show and another podcast. <laughs> Deep cut there. 
Uh, but we do get a deek cut in that he says, or a deek deep cut. That's even better. He used to get an orange for his birthday. That was his birthday tradition with his mother. What was her birthday tradition? Well, uh, Daisy, I almost said Sky. Wow, I'm really, I'm back in that season one mindset. Daisy had none. She grew up in orphanages. And uh, they're having a lovely moment. That might not be a moment. Uh, Pete, take us through this interruption by a Cree stuntman who knocks over shelves. Yeah, the villain, as we will discuss in this episode, Matt, this this episode is brought to us by the letter F for fear. And uh, they are afraid of Cree. The Cree warrior there was manifested. So after knocking over some shelves, uh-huh. uh, we find out that once Daisy shoots him and he turns into some kind of dream dust that our fears are coming to life in the 100th episode as a way of recapping everything we've seen before. Now, to be fair, Pete, you missed a really important part of that fight. The Cree stuntman almost took his axe blade to Deke's naughty bits. So thank goodness everybody leaves this episode with the same number of appendages that they started with. Can we get Yo-Yo some robot arms at a certain point here? Because I feel like we're kind of milking that, but I digress. Pete, we cut to Fitz. As you said, it has come to pass. Our fears are coming back to life. That's how Lash attacked. We are in the fear dimension I can't believe more people didn't hop on the hashtag fear dimension um, bandwagon, by the way. Right, right. Um, What's created the forest that steaks fear, all those branchy things and worms and stuff. Pete, I would like to report a crime that went on in this episode. Uh, Jeff Ward stole all the good lines because Deke is on fire this entire episode. Well, as I have tweeted, Matt, if you knew what a deke was coming in, you sensed something was going to go on with him. And with the reveal here, he is the future child of Fitz and Simmons. Um, Or grandchild. 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 Child. Progeny. Lineage. Okay. Uh, That you're going to have him naturally steal the show. I didn't know how it, I don't know how it didn't occur to us earlier. You know, yeah, there's the, uh, star Lord aesthetic that they gave him early on, but, uh, he's a very close ringer for, uh, Ian Decaysticker. And, uh, yeah. So for him to be, spouting off these lines clearly his best lines of the season only makes sense uh the the overall solution to their problem is that someone may need to be sacrificed hey deke says fitz with that (laughs) deke gets another great monologue about how he's not going to sacrifice himself recap of how he's already sacrificed himself once it's it's a wonderful bit there then he finally tires himself out and fitz says no, I just wanted your belt buckle. It's your gravity belt. We're going to use the gravitonium to try and uh, stitch the the rip up. Um, the catch, someone needs to lower the device down. It might not come back. And uh, Coulson volunteers uh, himself. And that's when things get a bit more serious. Yeah, Daisy 
protests. She says, this is military tactics 101. You don't let a general go. You send a soldier. Uh, but he tells her, we need you for the future. What to lead? No, to inspire. But there's no shield, she repeats again and again and again. Uh, Daisy even points out, May may never be at full strength again. Oh, perish that thought, Matt. And we come down as we have so many times in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s run to the symbol, the shield. And as Coulson is repeating that, he goes down like a ton of bricks to end the act no less we come back from that act break it's dimly lit tunnels it's brown lighting pete my fear is that we're back in the future again but we're not we're in the present day lighthouse we're just on the same set colson is up making sure that uh, deke can go up top do what he has to do follow the list you see pete there's a mystery afoot because the they did not write a scene in which we the audience know what's going on you see how we're being hooked in here um deeks at this point says he's sorry to hear about colson being unwell but he's interrupted just go get those goods uh deke goes up the story goes to the control room everyone is sad daisy is really sad i felt pete like there was a palpable emotion not just within the scene but on the sound stage, which makes me wonder exactly the state of things behind the scenes. Um, because I felt like there was a pall, not just over the characters, over the actors as well, but let's stick with the characters for now. What is the diagnosis, Pete? Simmons, Matt, is explaining that it is not good. Colson has suffered a life-threatening injury. Um it isn't caused by anything she's ever seen before. The tissue, the necrotic tissue around his wound is as if it's been dead for years, Matt, and it's decaying at a rapid rate. He is dying. He has known since Ghost Rider, apparently, uh, but he didn't tell them. And he admits that whatever alien voodoo was holding him together um, that the Ghost Rider burned through. But they had a solution, Daisy points out. Tess was brought for the brought back from the dead, but Coulson didn't want to do that again. And she admonishes him for making life and death decisions with everybody else, but not with himself, that they deserved to know. And with that, she's off. I have to say, I felt like this was a rather elegantly constructed scene. Yes, there was that that brief, but uh, you know, kind of kind of sticky in the mind moment where there was some secret between Coulson and Ghost Rider that kind of just got left hanging. I don't believe it was brought up in Ghost Rider's final appearance, um, but this definitely was seeded last season that something was up. Uh, you then add to it just this, you know, this this explanation of, okay, Ghost Rider and the effect that that has had on the thing that has had him alive for the entire show. Um, I, Pete, I think there's more, and we'll discuss this in the theory segment, I think there's more going on behind the scenes other than 
you know, the standard twists and turns on S.H.I.E.L.D. But we'll talk about that in a bit because that, that won't be a fun conversation. Mac wants to know how much time is left. And Simon points out that they don't know the risks, uh, the various risks that exist. But at some point, Matt, his heart is just going to stop beating. With that, uh, Coulson goes out to Daisy, who had uh, who had walked out earlier in the scene. She says that she can't lead without him. She gives a little recap of where she started alone in the van. She has uh, been been given everything by him, uh, a family, purpose, direction, etc. Uh, and she says that he is the symbol. There's nothing without him. I'll I'll, I'll strike the 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 bell of uh, doom again, Pete. Uh, was this Daisy talking to Colson or was this Chloe Bennett talking to Clark Gregg? We'll get into that a little bit later, but these are all perfectly fine actors that scene in the control room and this scene, an extension of it, there, there's a pall over it. There's an authenticity to it that, that has me worried. Uh, I think with good reason, Matt, given the news that has since come out and uh, that we would have now nine more episodes until we're finished potentially for good. Meanwhile, yo-yo. Pete, before people who are not completely in the know panic completely, can we say, (laughs) can we say before nine episodes before we are potentially finished? I I think perhaps there was a, a, a tad too much. A tad too much finality in it, in, in your statement. Maybe that is forward-looking. Um, as of the current status, I think that might be a bit premature. Is, is, is that safe to say on my end? It is, but they've been told to write a possible series finale. And this feels like the beginning of a final chapter of sorts. And again, we'll we'll flesh that out in a little bit. But uh, numbers are numbers, and uh, the the ratings, I think, are less of a concern than what this show costs. There are ways to fix that. At what point do you lessen your cost at the potential of lessening your ratings? Here's what I, I'll just say one thing, Pete, that is – real world theorizing and then we'll get back to the the summary here i've never been a fan of once upon a time but what they did to once upon a time has me worried that they could do that to shield in the future but let's take a pin in that right now pete we are screaming in fear yo-yo awakes having heard a scream in her own dreams she's about to have a nightmare in front of her the hydromorphone uh, morphine, morphine, the hydro something is making her drowsy hey, and hydro. restless. Oh my goodness, Pete. She's taking a hydro, hydra drug. Uh, Simmons says she should be put out of her misery. And Simmons tries to suffocate her with a pillow. Uh, Mac at this point throws her off. Her head is hit into something. Mask goes flying. She's an LMD. Real Simmons shoots her as fake LMD fear. Simmons fades into the ether dust. Um, Things are not good, and we end the act. Act three, Matt, begins on the loading dock. And do you know how you can tell it's the loading dock? Uh, how's that, Pete? Because it's there's a sign that says loading dock. Um, and Deke is looking around there. He's he's back up in the world. 
checking it all out. We head over to the uh, police station where General Hale, Matt, remember her with the Disney daughter who doesn't appear in this episode. Uh, She is checking out that police station and uh, she thanks the cop there for the call. This uh, Deke was drunk. He had no ID. They're going to uh, dust and examine his cell. It could lead to miss johnson that uh that rascally sheriff who i i didn't think we could uh, actually i thought we could trust him he actually makes reference i think to it was his deputy who had further suspicions things to that effect uh, regardless deke makes his way to pete an ancient old-timey payphone device this is like a a wired cell phone for public use with coins although he doesn't use a coin and we won't even Whatever, that's the least of our worries. Uh, anyhow, his payphone adventures intercut with the sheriff, saying Deke didn't have much uh, much on him, nor fingerprints on file, paperwork, license, nothing. Uh, Deke ultimately is able to get through to a Fiona, or at least a voicemail for Fiona. Can't get through, punches in some, some, some uh, numbers, possibly. Uh, not a lot of success met, but then he goes shopping. <gasps> Cut to Colson sitting quietly, Pete. May wants to know if he is in pain. Not always, he says. Is this why she wants to know they took a step back? And this heart-to-heart, Matt, um, he he tells her that she's wasting her time. And uh, I love the response here from Ming-Na Wen who I waste my time with is none of your concern. I mean, it's it's a great line between the two of them. I, I will admit, Pete, I got no beef with the shippers. If the show wants to put Colson and May together, I think there's enough there. It's not kind of driving me, but I'm I'm okay with it. The flip side is, even though I'm not greatly pulled into that as a as a hope on my end, I buy this scene 110% that there was maybe a little spark there and they were both feeling it and things have gotten in the way and now they've taken that step back. This is a scene with two veteran actors, you know, feeling the feels for their, for their characters. And I I thought it was just, you know, it was very well done. And the best parts of this episode are when they go all character and reduce the razzle dazzle, which much of the time is so fun, but they find the best parts of this episode find our characters acting as people, not acting as an action adventure template, which is also good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's, you know, the best parts of this episode are character driven. And it grants a lot of validity for your theory. We'll talk about a little bit later, um, but he's made peace with this, Matt. Um, it's it's time for uh you know, though he's made a difference, he's got to come back. It's time for some fresh blood for the team. It's mm. time for them to shine. And, uh, you know, it's it's not as if he has given up um, that he still intends to fight. And besides, uh, he needs her help to put the gear, the super sexy gear, Matt, that fits has prepared for him on 
Well, cut to uh, Fitz with his bomb thingy. It's not, I will admit, it was not immediately clear to me what it was, but pretty quickly the dialogue reveals that it is the rift sealer. This will not be an easy job but with all the fear coming his way. Uh, at this point, he's handed what is purported to be a 50 caliber handgun. Pete, time out. Uh, communique from Mike Sorensen, our, <laughs> our, our, our dear Twitter pal who also knows things about guns that we don't. Um, and he says uh, that was not a 50 cal Desert Eagle he was holding. Looked like a 9mm to me, maybe a 357. Pete, we want to get those details right, even though we are not yeah. gun people. We're so glad Mike is a responsible gun guy telling us not a Desert Eagle 50 cal. Yeah, uh, I had to imagine that that was not accurate. But again, it's a story point, not so much as an accuracy issue um, that he's going to have to uh, amplify the gra gravitonium at the same time, not get too close. Otherwise, Matt, he'll get sucked in. Oh, yeah. And Fitz, that other thing we talked about, uh, promise that it'll get taken care of. I'm not a huge fan of when shows that have a narrative structure, which allows the story to go anywhere. You know, this is not like the new Doctor show. I don't know the name of it, but the Doctor show with Freddie Highmore, where you're going to be with him most of the time. So is it possible that nurse lady has conversations he doesn't hear sure that's not this show so the fact that there's portions of story happening outside the scope of uh you know kind of the the, the third person omniscient camera uh that's not cool particularly when our characters are having conversations with other agents of shield within the episode um that's not a sleight of hand i care for but maybe it's worth it at the end because i was i genuinely enjoyed the last scene of this episode um maybe some of our listeners will figure out which member of fantastic geek was less enthusiastic let's just say hashtag all heart matt and we'll get to that when we get to that <laughs> colson descends much as like someone with a black heart would descend negatively on the <laughs> wedding scene um colson says well i find a stay puffed marshmallow man here pete Let's break exclusive news right now. Season six, eight, season six, Agents of Shield: Colon Ghostbusters: The Big Crossover. We've already done Ghostbusters, Matt. We did that in the Ghost Rider uh, arc. <laughs> um, but uh, Daisy reads him loud and clear here uh, that he sees the dwarf down, and then he sees an old frenemy in mr michael peterson who asks him who tells him uh hello agent colson it's time i told you what's really going on here to end the act after the act break uh deathlock i pete he'll always be deathlock to me uh he says there's nothing to be afraid of he has no weapons etc he admits to having been made in colson's head but he says everything is in colson's head he's never been anywhere uh on the show agents of shield he in fact is on the table code blue dying um i i never really believed that in my heart but i dare say the show 
slightly undercuts our suspension of disbelief when immediately the story goes upstairs to everyone fighting. Should they go after him because the camera has cut out? Fitz says, no, one loss is better than two. Ultimately, there has to be hope. So now that the story has reminded us that there's people upstairs, again, with that third-person omniscient camera, essentially telling us there's people over there that's outside what Coulson would know, even though we are in this netherworld, potentially, of his code blue dying. It does undercut it a bit. But Pete, take us back downstairs. Give us some more Deathlock. Peterson is telling him that these are false memories uh, made real. Uh, these are random synapses in his brain firing. The truth is, Matt, that Loki ran the scepter through his heart. We see uh, possible flashes of him being worked upon where uh, in addition to Loki being name checked, we hear that uh, Mr. Stark will give the people working on him anything they need. Um, and that this whole thing, Matt, the whole series, you know, all 100 episodes, it's a dream. You didn't really think that Coulson's skull caught fire, right? that you were a history teacher in an alternate reality when your father was really a history teacher. You've been reliving memories and then adding what you hope to one day become true. And this is what I thought was the most effective point of the episode was Matt lost style, sprinkling, sprinkling in the flashes before Coulson's eyes of his life of the lives of others that he has influenced uh the the uh the life he hoped to live a flying car the team the family the daughter he never had pete again this was a character driven moment that despite the need for will oh i'm feeling it okay good i just wanted to make sure was not mocking i'm just i'm 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 playing the moment i, I said it was the most effective moment for me in okay. the episode um we also get intercut to that this notion that that uh, peterson isn't even peterson he's a random emt watching mm-hmm. by the way pete just want to point out the standard series regular contract allows for one guest appearance uh, while you know, outside your show, in a one hundredth episode of a show well, you were on in the pilot, Pete. Here's the good news. Here's <laughs> here's the best news for Jr. Is that the Richards. fine print? He's a series regular, so good for him. Here's some better news. He's a series regular on a show that airs on ABC. Kevin probably saves the world, which probably won't be renewed, but that's not his immediate problem. Uh, Pete, that's a show that's not only on ABC; it's produced by ABC Studios. So here's what Marissa Tancharone and Jen Whedon had to do. They had to call showrunners of Kevin Probably Saves the World, creators of it, get ready for this, Pete, put on your red hat, Michelle Vizikas and Tara Butters, and say, hey, Marvel wants to borrow J. August Richards for much of an, you know, much of a, an episode, not a one-scene cameo. We need him for half an episode as well as prosthetics. Can we wait, schedule Marvel, that? the ones that didn't renew their show, Agent Carter, wait, that, wait. that Marvel? Marvel didn't not renew that abc <laughs> I, television I, I, I yes i apologize so fair, like fair is fair 
what I want to say is, you know, that, I mean, kudos to the larger family, family working man. together. Yeah, it's called family that ABC and ABC Studios and their corporate sibling Marvel Television called up former Marvel Television uh, employees, Fasikas and Butters, and said, we need this guy for like five or six days and they're going to be long days. So can you not like, you know, in addition to you giving us him, can you not like have him up the night before doing a night scene before he has to come in at <laughs> 5 a.m. for makeup take and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, take care of him. Let's all work together here because you never know what the future holds, especially for Zika's and Butters, because you got nothing after this. Because this show, Kevin probably saves the world, probably won't be saved, you know, for next season. But I digress. It's great that we got Jay August Richards. Welcome back, bro. Well, Peterson Deathlock Matt saves the world because the siren sound, the aircraft coming in here announces itself as Shield 313, which of course is kind of like 616, but half requesting to land. And uh, on board there is Deke and Deathlock and a lot of other faces. We get an act break. We come back from it. Fake Deathlock still uh, is not trying to trick Phil, not trying to take the grava bomb. Look, there's the rift. Let's walk to it together. It's the light. Come into the light. The big light. They start to. Coulson stops. Uh, fake Deathlock is, you know, starting to tussle there. Then real Deathlock saves the day. Uh, we then add to that the Deathlock v lash fight that we always wanted pete there's roaches coming there's slow-mo pete the only thing that could make this any better just as colson pushes the button sending the doodad to the rift would be the grant ward 6.0 cameo and we get it we get fake squidward which means that's 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 ward enough for me to just be like that that's going to count in the this is another version of ward um Briefly there, zapped away, Rift is stopped, Day is saved, Coulson is on Deathlock's lap. Pete, anything you want to add there? I love the tandem Coulson punching Hive and then Deathlock dusting him. Um, You're real, right? Please tell me you're real. Great line. It's not going to make it any less awkward. Um, Cut at the moment of you know, highest relief, Matt, to reveal that uh, the prince taken from Deke, tell us he is nobody. He could be an LMD, uh, whatever it is. But uh, these daisy sightings, they continue. She could be on her way to Canada or Hale points out it's just a smokescreen. Oh, well, let's pack up. Then, Pete, seemingly a bit incongruously, we are back in the lighthouse. We're in the elevator. Uh, Fitz says that the rift is held for now. Uh, it, this has all been held by one man. Uh, then Deke goes into an epic monologue about how he saved the day, you know, since he brought bought groceries and, and brought uh, Shield 313 in. Um, and he had and trouble a finding... sixer of Zima, yes. Matt, because he couldn't find the Hague. Uh, yeah, in fact, he didn't. No one has ever heard of Hague, but then he brings the Zima. Um, 
But Fitz, of course, was talking about Deathlock, who it turns out won't be staying for too long. Pete, that's because not for nothing, as kind as Fizikas and Butters were, dude's got a contract that needs to be abided, so this is it for him, I suspect. Um, also, I guess it's possible they had wrapped production. They were in the process of wrapping production, something like that. Uh, let me put it this way, Pete. I'm going to amend what I said. Uh, they might let him do another episode once they figure out. Yeah, if he's wrapped, wouldn't that, uh, would well, not can, allow they, him. This is S.H.I.E.L.D. 512. They did 16 episodes of Kevin Probably Saves the World. So just roughly assuming. How many of them aired? Well, even forget what's aired. I'm just saying it might be a situation where they're not in active production anymore. Yes, he might be under contract for Kevin, but they might say, sure, go do another because we're letting you out of your contract or something like that. Whatever. We'll get, to, we'll get to the end of this season, Pete, when we get to it. We need to get to the end of this elevator ride. It's been stopped for a while. Is Fitz stalling? Stalling for what, Pete? This is when everybody put it together here. You know, Coulson smooths his, his collar for him. It's going to be great. Make sure you breathe. And we open to the forest that Deke can't abide we see Mac with the we see May with the flowers, and then finally Simmons with the dress on. So we know they're going to give us a wedding in our 100th episode. Very, very well earned. Colson says, "Let's not delay." Pete, I was not even watching the clock at this point. This scene had me totally invested. I didn't even notice that time-wise, we were missing what could be a tag, you know, break ahead of a tag scene. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that there's this built-in joke, let's not delay, because who knows what could happen. They go to the vows quickly. I, I wondered, you know, the first time they go for the quick side joke about Deathlock knowing both of them, it's like, why are you taking away from the main thing? Just show the darn wedding. It's a TV wedding. Everybody likes TV weddings. Mm -hmm. Back to Simmons. She talks about getting more than she ever hoped for. She can't wait for their next adventure, starting a family, which I'll admit, Pete, as it was coming out, I was a bit surprised that a career woman as herself might want to immediately start a family. Let's not say that it can't be done. I'm not trying to peg her in any one, uh, you know, kind of particular role here. Uh, and I'm certainly sympathetic to her as a, you know, as a professional woman and a potential mother and this and the other. But it all kind of stuck out in my head as like, huh. I didn't think that was on her radar. Turns out, Pete, it's about to be on all our radars pretty soon. Um, Fitz says he doesn't deserve her. Pete, is this the big, so I don't deserve you, so I can't be here because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fake fear uh, creature or because I just simply can't do this and he runs away? Is that what they're going to do to us, Pete? It's not. He's the luckiest man on any planet. The rings here quickly before this forest collapse around them um, and back to Deke and Deathlock here that uh, he had to, you know, scour the pawn shops. Turns out a lot of people turn in rings and uh, for Fitz's little boy fingers, but it's amazing that uh, Gemma Simmons has the same size fingers as his grandmother, uh, that that is a match. And then we have General Hale's assistant telling us there are two biological matches. 
to Deke Shaw. And they are, of course, Gemma Simmons and Leo Fitz. Um, oh, my. And uh, turns out he didn't really know any either one of his ancestors. Good news, though, Pete. They successfully get married. The end. No fake out. No tag scene. No. And then the power goes down. No. And then somebody wakes up. They marry them. The end. Thank you very much. The end. See you next week. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt, in this episode. Fear. We have nothing to fear but fear itself and then the fear monsters, which are bad guys from previous storylines and all pretty terrifying. Um, Pete, in a season where we have noted some of the effects of of the, the much rumored, and I dare say all but confirmed on screen, uh, reduction of overall budget for the show, this was a handy way to get a bunch of bad guys in there to use at least many resources that you have already like i'm sure the lash makeup or you know some of the lash makeup is sitting around somewhere whether it's the wig or whatever and you certainly have the crew that knows how to spray paint the guy to make him be lash um ditto on the cockroaches ditto on the deathlock outfit i'm sure is still in their storage and the makeup they're familiar with etc etc so this was a handy way to have no villain in the episode but still have villainous pressure uh, I was certainly not a villainous person. You know, there is the man versus nature of the rift in space and time. Um, I give them credit, particularly since I am sympathetic to the fact that if they tell you, hey, we will let you cast, you know, up to $100,000 an episode for uh, casting guest stars, and you go, great, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth. Lucy Lawless, who granted was not a bad guy, uh, Edward James Olmos, who was not a bad guy. But point is, if you can bring in all these other people, then you say, "Oh my goodness, it's almost. How can we? What can we? What goodness can we give him in the script?" If you're then told, uh, "Yeah, we're cutting the budget by three hundred thousand dollars an episode, a million dollars an episode," I don't, I have no idea what it is. But you're now not going to cast those people. You now need to think of creative ways to still tell a story. This was a story where. Our heroes provided the villains, and they were all familiar, so therefore that was easier to produce. I'm okay with that if that's the situation. If you got less chips to play with, they played a decent hand. I appreciate the writerly flourish of that. Okay, we're going to dig into the psyche of our characters and, and produce the threat from within. That being said, between the marketing side showing all of this. I mean, Matt, the, the only one we didn't see was Peterson. Okay. The big reveal. They held that back. Um, but we saw the Cree. We saw Lash. We saw Hive. Uh, just wasn't I clear. Who, I who don't watch <laughs> the previews. I who know that as soon as there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be after this. They have a commercial break and then a tag scene, and I know how those work, and I'm ready as soon as I see the title card for the production company. The remote is already in hand. I saw Lash before I turned the TV off. Right, yeah. Even you couldn't get into the spoiler hidey hole quickly enough. <laughs> um, 
And again, that aside, because I, I feel that good storytelling shouldn't only be put uh, put on things that are revealed. That That's not the sum total of, of st- telling a story. So if you happen to know, oh, all right, you know, Hive and, and Lash are, are going to show up in this episode, it, it shouldn't make a difference in how you interpret it and how you feel about it. But it, it just felt like it was lacking a little bit of oomph. And I think, um, you know, the, the Coulson reveal earlier, and, and we've known this for some time that he's, he's dying, but revealing to the team and the exact particulars of it. And then to, you know, give us the wedding at the end it felt like it was trying to be all things when I think they would have been a little bit more successful. As you said before, and, and I like the term, the wedding was earned. I don't know if this flashback of fearful things we have seen before really was the best possible way to go. Seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, lay it on them. All right. Let me preface this by saying many times we have fun on the podcast. Many times we joke around or we take, you know, we, we take things, uh, you know, for, on a fun slant or, you know, remind everybody that, you know, you know, like, Natalia Cordova Buckley doesn't actually have, you know, two stumps for arms and things like that. This isn't a joking theory. This is serious. I want to preface this by saying this is theory. I'm not basing this off of, you know, I, I don't get those secret envelopes that Spoiler Pete gets. This I just want to take everybody on an alternate way to read production stuff behind the scenes, possibly. Here's my theory. The standard TV contract when you start a series is for five seasons. When a show is a hit, certainly when a show is a runaway hit, what happens the summer between seasons one and two is people start to get <clears throat> a little little sick. I don't know if I'll be able to start season two on, on the date you're asking for. Oh, coincidentally, I'd like to renegotiate my contract. Uh, this is for, again, for runaway hits. This is the standard thing. Um, and then normally it's, oh, you extend it out to seven years because that's the max California state law. Um, so more time, but more money and that kind of thing. Now, was S.H.I.E.L.D. an out-of-the-door runaway hit? No. So I would assume that these initial contracts remain in place, which, by the way, probably means that for the portion of the cast that's not Clark Gregg and not Ming-Na Wen, um, they're making much less than those two people, probably rightfully so, because you can't do the show without Clark Gregg. And Ming-Na Wen, is, you know, had been acting for all these years and years and years and certainly had earned it, let alone what she brought in terms of strong female character, diversity, etc. Here is my theory. My theory is that towards the end of season four, Clark Gregg and perhaps Ming-Na Wen said to the production, we're done at the end of these five seasons. Um, and if you want to offer us a bajillion dollars, maybe we'll reconsider, but this isn't a hardball offer, hardball negotiating. It, it's time to bring this to an end. Ming-Na Wen of two children of school age, daughter about to go to college, 
Clark Gregg, who has a daughter in her mid to late teens at this point as well. I'm sure they both have made way more money from the salary from the show than everyone else. Um, and I think with that in mind, they wrote in the possibility of, um, you know, of Colson has a secret with Ghost Rider. They really appear to be doubling down on it at this point. I wonder if news was broken to the cast while making this episode. Uh, Clark is rapping at the end of this season, and Clark would like the exit. Um, actors have been known to take real-life stuff like that and jazz up a cast in order to help get emotions out because they're all there to share emotions. So I'm wondering if this is way more, you know, not just story real, if this is production real that some of our beloved actors are saying, we're going to exit, and if you want to do S.H.I.E.L.D. the next generation next season, like Once Upon a Time has done, like ABC was okay doing as a slap it into it and make some more cash on the way out and see if people stick to it, I fear that all of that is what's going on here and we're now seeing it expressed in our characters and in our fiction. It certainly is plausible. And uh, I, I think there was a vibe more than just acting that came across through our television screens as we watched this episode. Only they know, Matt. Only they know. And I'll, I'll say that as spoiler Pete, because the, the future is unwritten until we start to hear that people are booking other shows or they're taking a year off or whatever it might be. But yeah. And we talk all the time on this podcast on Twitter, watch it live, enjoy it while you have it. We're not always going to have it. And I, I think that that's the theme that the show hit upon. You get this wedding. All right, let's get it done, man. This this could all come crashing down around us. Uh, is this the grand wedding we envisioned Fitzsimmons having? Probably not. But they're married now. And I think we're going to increasingly check off boxes that we would like and if Clark Gregg and, and Ming-Na find the, uh, the door and the show is renewed, okay, you, you go creatively in that younger direction. Um, the show is expensive. The ratings are steady for Friday nights. So something's got to give. Certainly there's nowhere on the ABC schedule it's left to go. Like, it's Fridays at 8 or Fridays nope. at 9. That's the only two spots that it could go. And, look, I don't want this show canceled. I would love to hear, hey, it's been renewed for three more seasons. Everybody's on board. Season 6 is going to be on ABC. Uh, the last four episodes are going to be saved to help jump into Disney, the Disney app. Uh, and then it's going to be another 42 episodes there along with the four or five that they saved and da 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 da, da. And then we're announcing this is the final three seeds. I would love that there's more. But bottom line is it's got nowhere left to go on the ABC schedule other than Friday nights. If I am running ABC TV, I would have concerns about can 22 episodes of this show next season remain above 
the line that is minimal profitability and minimally worth it versus what else can we put on there versus do we do, you know, stupid stuff like the dogs jumping through hoops, reality training, dog training hour, you know, like something that's cheaper that could still get low ratings. So again, I, I certainly don't want to sound the bell of gloom and doom here. I know that writers write and actors have to say what's in the script. Yes, you can have disagreements and occasionally people refuse and this and that, the other, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not just like the principle of the job, like it's codified where if the producer wants to declare, not, and I'm not saying that there's behind the scenes drama like this, but I wanna, what I'm trying to say is actors need to say what is in the script. And if this is a script where it's like, all right, this is the red line where we need to start to set up the next phase of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we, the production staff, we, the writing room, will continue without anybody who's not going to stick around for next season. If that's their take, you know, pending renewal, uh, of course, but if that's their take that they're going to set up a future for the show and for themselves as people who want to be employed, but some people are not going to, you know, are going to choose to not make that journey with them, this is where you start to set it up. And I fear that that's what they're doing. I really, really do. And if it doesn't get picked up next season, what did Jed Whedon say? We have something that, that's an end, but could also be a beginning. That doesn't sound like, oh man, they're at the diner. Whoosh, they're not at the diner. What's next? This is the end and a beginning. It's an uncertain business. It's one that is predicated on rejection. And you just hope that at the end of the day, when the decisions are made, we have gotten the show that we've wanted, that we've desired all these many years. To get to 100 episodes is a tremendous feat in today's day and age of 500 scripted offerings on TV, Matt. The, the number of things that will fall short on that, you could fill the heavens with the stars uh, that they have done this. They should be congratulated. And uh, this is the type of thing that, uh, you know, we need to focus on less on the end, more on the journey. And this was an episode that despite, you know, whatever some of the financial stuff were that limited, may have limited options story-wise, this is an episode that, you know, filled my heart with these characters who I've come to enjoy, whether it's Fitz and Simmons who were, um, you know, obviously who were in the first episode, um, you know, who we've seen at New York Comic Con, who've been along the, the journey from the entire time, to people who have joined along the way, Mac and Yo-Yo, to Deke who is, you know, ripping up the, the the scenery here he's so fantastic um you know this is an episode that was a celebration of those 100 episodes celebration within the constraint that you know every show has constraints every show is not going to be able to spend you know a billion dollars an episode and do whatever they want so they, they wrote they wrote the 100th episode with a look back to the past and a look ahead to the future and some really well-earned character stuff and i feel like in the in the current circumstances, what can you ask for more than give us payoff for characters that we care about? And that's really what it gave us. And I, you know, it's a gloom and doom theory I gave, but I'm I'm at the end of this episode smiling because this was our agents getting something good for once. 
Yeah. And I think celebration is, is the thing we have to fall back on and, you know, seeing them at, uh, conventions, Fitz and Simmons and Colson and Ming-Na Wen and, uh, you know, uh, Sky, Daisy, Quake, uh, and, and to round all this into form. And again, it's not a eulogy, Matt, but we've, we've got to, we've got to be prepared and at the same time appreciate what we've had. And through 100 episodes here, this is the family, Matt, that we had hoped for. It's been a 100 episode journey to get here so far and nobody does it alone. We have to tip our hat at this point to our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. They've been with us making, making the podcast a better place behind the scenes, uh, helping us take care of some of the things we have to take care of. So always appreciated to, uh, you know, or our appreciation out to those patrons. Yes, you make everything we do possible from the podcast to the bandwidth to any extra type of thing we look to offer. It all begins with our patrons at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P-H. Every contributor gets access to exclusive podcast content and then you can pick your perk from there. Let's check the wire, Matt. Pete, we ran our our uh, now uh, expected poll at the end of the episode. How did you like Agents of Shield 100? Uh, and we had four options. Uh, we'll start from the bottom up because the bottom one got no votes. Because I'm tired of having people vote for the one when you know a one is reserved for like. Oh man, in this episode, they went to clown college. So one star, I'm heartless. Two stars, yo-yo. Three stars, full cyborg. Four stars, our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 100. Pete, 5% of people gave it two stars. 10% gave it three stars. That brings it up to 86% of votes gave it four stars. And uh, again, for whatever kind of production budget stuff that the that the episode might have been um, affected by it affected the heart we have some comments pete uh two of differing perspectives here uh, let's start with uh, our pal a aka frank castle that's at dj underscore black blak 357 um who was uh who was in the room but farther away at the agents of shield panel at new york comic con mm -hmm. and we hope to uh Meet up with him next year at NYCC. Uh, he says, uh, I mean week after week. I think he says, I think he meant to say, I mean week after week. But anyhow, they just keep delivering. Why would you even think of ending this show? We are just getting started. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is here to stay. 100% confident. Season 6 and 7 are on the way. And the cast is still walking around like fire. Wow going for two seasons out i mean listen i think we all hope it comes to pass but there's the realistic nature of network television these days i mean in baseball matt we don't have 300 game winners anymore it's not going to happen so 200 is the new 300 100 episodes you know that's your that's your seven season run now 
Well, we also have a uh, a tweet from <laughs> Jamie Patton, who we saw at uh, the Jessica Jones Paley uh, thing a couple days ago, and who we've also referenced that in. Uh, it was in, yesterday, uh, Matt. It was, when you say it was only yesterday. <laughs> it was that yesterday. Was, sorry, yeah, about about twenty six hours ago, we uh, we saw her and her guest, and uh, and uh, had a lovely little chat afterwards. But uh, we've also referenced her. I will admit, Pete, I don't remember exactly how we referenced her on something Jessica Jones because this is our fourth podcast in 48 hours. Jessica Jones 102 drops on Sunday. Um, but, Pete, always love hearing from Jamie. Here's what she had to say. Can't ever hate on an episode with a great Daisy Colson scene, Felinda, and a Fitzsimmons wedding, but I feel like tonight's episode worked better as a series of moments. Overall, the ep struck me as odd. I kept waiting for it all to still be a nightmare. Weird pacing and flow. I would tend to agree with Jamie, and Jamie knows her TV. Uh, she keeps her blog there, watching the wasteland, and would would highly uh, recommend that you check that out. Yeah, this this was a series of moments rather than a cohesive whole. And you know, we we had the whole build up to the to the 100th episode, and we got the wedding payoff at the end. But Matt, can we really say like this scratches their top? five or ten episodes ever uh no um, okay but i think well how about this so fine it's not a and that's a high thing. listen that's a high bar okay to recreate you know for my money that framework episode where colson looks in the camera and and talks about fake news and that he's an agent, agent of Shield, and the whole thing. There, there might not be a better moment in the entire run of the series to oh, what we've had, yeah. and yeah. and even further as a meta moment. Okay, they went with fears and a, a cavalcade of you know cameo baddies, and you know and ended on your your hopeful, long sought after ship moment. Okay, all all things that are good, but not the great that this show is capable of. I think that is that's fair to say. That certainly, uh, I dare say, captures uh, Jamie's sentiment. And I'm glad you mentioned her website because we we should mention it more. It's excellent. Watchingthewasteland.com, musings of a TV addict, and a ton of great stuff there. So. You know, you have somebody who who watches the show with a thinking cap, as do we, as do, I dare say, most viewers. Um, so, yeah, kind of that sentiment of of goodish, but perhaps not great. Um, regardless, a lot. Uh, if it's a collection of moments, we got some really great moments there. So, Pete will look forward to. Is my math correct? Are there ten episodes left to the season? Indeed, Matt. Episode 13 to episode 22, 10 episodes. So I'm ready for one heck of a roller coaster ride. I mean, there's so many, there's so much in play, whether it's Hale, whether it's the We Hale girl, um, the fact that the rift is on pause but not fixed, um, the notion of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s future, the 
potential for behind the scenes stuff of some people leaving, et cetera, et cetera, if that theory even holds holds uh, merit. So tons of potential for these next 10 episodes. Like I said, I'm ready for one heck of a ride. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the same is for you. Absolutely. And I think that uh, whatever happens, Matt, like everything else on this show, you, you can knock this show all you want. It has always been eminently watchable. Pete, people can follow along with your live tweet by following you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,829 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the P and the H. Visit fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram as well, where we are still Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word. Like it today. To those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Sunday with more Jessica Jones and indeed more Jessica Jones throughout the week. Uh, Then, of course, back next Friday to talk more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether you're on the Pop Culture Podcast feed or the S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we wouldn't have it any other way. With that, Pete, I fear that the time has come to end this episode, so I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Just because I've made peace with dying doesn't mean I'm in a hurry.